Hey guys, Theo here on Treebark, and I wanted to kick off this episode just starting with like some engagement from you guys. And I recently put on a little thread onto my Twitter asking for, you know, possible topics that we could discuss. Um, furry related, art related, view video game related, really anything that you were recently thinking of that you could submit to the thread. And I don't think like if I thought of the topic, then I could offer my opinions and thoughts on it. So let's get right into it. I just posted it and already have a handful of topics to discuss. So I really appreciate it and let's dive into them. Okay, so at Fox with glasses says, uh, furries in 1999 versus furries now. Huh, okay, so I have to, <laughs> I have to preface this. And I have to say that I was only born in 1994. So that puts me at about 20 in 2022. I think I'm 27. Yeah, 27 going on to 28 now. So I'm not even as old as the fandom, nor I would consider myself a veteran or gray muzzle or anything about the fandom. Uh, since I've only really started engaging with the community since I think 2016, early 2017. So that puts me at about five-ish to six years now that I've been actively serious and just um, kind of made it a lifestyle. <laughs> so yeah, that's some context for you. Now, even though I joined the fandom, I did see it peripherally before 2016, 2017. And then I really started diving in and seeing what the community was really all about. Uh, and in, I know since the 1980s to the 1990s, furries as a community was a thing, but it was a super ultra niche a group that really didn't have that much traction or popularity that it does now. So my understanding of those early days was that there were really small local gatherings of people who liked, you know, anthropomorphic cartoon characters or mascots. And there weren't even really even fursuits that we see today. Like there weren't fursuit makers. That wasn't necessarily a thing. The people that I saw in older videos from the 1980s and 90s were people who actually repurposed mascot outfits from like sports teams. So if there so happened to be like a wolf mascot from like a like a college or something or a squirrel from a sports team, they would just use that character and animal outfit to take to the local fur meets and that would just be it. And the, the <laughs> I almost want to say that it kind of feels cursed. To look at those images because the quality back then was just not what it is that you see like here in the 2020s or even early 2010s um it really did build up and become so much more streamlined and the quality just went up so drastically that it's just mind-blowing to contrast those early days and yeah that's just what i understood about the 1990s um, the I think similar to brony cons, furcon started gathering steam maybe early 2000s, and then the I have a couple of friends I could hit up to talk about specifically uh, the conventions at the time and how they started building up. But I know that you know these days you can find conventions literally all over the world, from Asia to you know the east coast of America to Germany, literally everywhere. So just to see that popularity and growth hit the mainstream is really wild. And I would even say that like a lot of furries and local furs that I know really don't like that aspect and some love it, some hate it. You know, I'm sort of in the middle. I like something being sort of niche and, you know, something that you can call your own, but the community isn't really super defined anyway. So you'll find that a lot of people just make their own little subcategories within the community and then find those like-minded under this sort of umbrella that we call furry or just the fact that you like 
this particular animal or anthropomorphic avatar just lets you kind of lubricate and talk to other people socially. Uh, and then whether or not you're into like a subcategory of that, you can go on Discord, Telegram, and join all the chats that you like under art categories, video game categories, political, religious categories even. I have no idea. It's so diverse. But yeah, definitely seeing the quality of the fandom grow and become super accept- It was- okay. It was very, I think- progressive and LGBT focused and open from the early days and it became even more so and became sort of the safe place for anti-racism, anti-Nazism and generally very good people valuing good things in the world and I don't know how to make it sound more simple but more true where you have your bad actors and they just they don't last long because I you'll see a lot of furries start taking on and challenging these bad actors and you see the crap kind of rise to the surface and become questioned and that's what I love about the community there isn't one sort of leader there's no there's no president furry uh even though I think some people might might call Kage uh from uh you know the host of like some cons to to be a leader or something like that and I I've never met him personally but anyway that's a side topic uh yeah there isn't a single host or something that we necessarily have to look up to for the fandom it's sort of just this amorphous ball of whatever is sort of trending or flowing with memes um through the twitter sphere or the just social platforms as a whole you can keep adding to the community people can can like i don't know just form relationships naturally and organically without having to worry about extreme criticism um and i oh <laughs> speaking of criticism i think uh yeah back in the day i think even the 2016s it was a very uh sort okay this was just before zootopia i i will admit i was one of those furs that got into it that watched zootopia like six times in theaters because i couldn't get enough of the character design and there was a lot of indoctrin normies that became furries through that movie <laughs> and i have partially some of my indoctrination due to that movie too um thanks zootopia but no, the the way that like furries I think were perceived then was when I sort of got whiffs through the Vine, uh, the literal like app called Vine before TikTok basically, and you would see like comments and stuff of fursuiters um, sharing, you know, clips of them doing shenanigans in fursuits and then comments just being very toxic and flaming them and talking about ew gross you're a you know a dog fucker or something like it it had just those blends of just really i think very what's the right word here like not not oblivious uh just novice people who didn't really know about this niche community and the perception I could feel it at the time was that like even the furries themselves in the group would make fun of it and laugh at ourselves like just saying that we're cringe saying that you know we're we're degenerates and I think we still agree and say that today but <laughs> it's it's not with really any serious context and like we have the ability to laugh at ourselves and be accepting of who we are and sort of the things that we value is not really evil or bad in the world so I mean to get kind of you know deep into it not really but uh that's just to say that 
we have the ability to look at things and not overgeneralize and just enjoy ourselves because that's what we all aim to do amongst good company and good friends. So that's, uh, it's, it's really been wonderful to just see people become more accepting of the progressive side of the community and what the fandom means to each individual is super diverse and is just on a large spectrum. And that's why I don't think you can peg us down. <laughs> Giggity. You can't pin down the community in a specific way that will really hinder us and only promote more growth. So that's honestly what my thoughts are for 1999 versus now. Um, the quality of furry content has only gotten better and the community is thriving, I think, e each day more and more. Um, and if I wanted to try and dip into the future and just see where we're going to be going, I think... Uh, I mean, it may not be a mind-blowing take here, but it's just going to get more open, uh, more accepting, more technologically savvy. Like, I could even go into the VR space now and you can become a digital fursuiter. You can engage with furries all over the world instantly now, so I want to lean into saying that furries are going to become even more pervasive on the internet, more happy-go-lucky, and just having fun through technology. Uh, it's, it's the best way to just engage with people, honestly. So yeah, I'm going to like double down into tech and it's going to be even cooler and more immersive for furries all over the world. Okay. So let's check out the next topic. Oh yeah. Thank you. Foxwood glasses. I really appreciate that. Um, Richie posts, uh, um, his ad is Zab Vodka, uh, fur cons during the peak of COVID-19. Okay. That's actually not a huge far off topic from the first one. So now I can say, fully say that we've all lived through this in the past two years, and I've been a furry pre-pandemic. So, and things are lightening up now, but I could for sure say from the end of 2019 to even like the early parts of 2022 or late 2021, it was kind of absolute ass. Uh, the interesting thing is that furries are super social, super connected, and in person and online, they're they're basically equal. Uh, I would say that a huge chunk of the fandom was really disrupted, just like many other things in the world, just by the fact that you couldn't physically meet people. Um, seeing your close friends or even your distant friends for the one time of the year that you save up money for for going to a con was now disrupted. You couldn't, you would literally endanger people that you loved. And to have that weird shitstorm of a nightmare become a reality for that time, I think was super jarring. A lot of sad people got more sad. A lot of introverts may have thrived, but um, for sure it was just not as fun because even myself as an introvert, I would say I didn't have all of the energy in the world to engage with everybody, but I loved the option. I loved the option of saying, hey, here's a party. I don't want to go to it, but I loved being invited. Um, so not having the invites or any, any or anything really, or any physical contact with people beyond just like a hi, how are you, was really sucky. Uh, so I think uh, conventions were, were definitely not going to happen. Um, there were some people who, of course, you know, like it's a free country that are not going to abide by rules or anything like that and try to host things or get, you know, get away with socializing. It's such a human traits so it you're gonna get some drama around that but i think as a whole furries were very on wearing masks getting vaccinated doing the best they can to prevent more spread of the virus and overall uh i think we handled it well 
and the convention space itself was super um, cool and responsible about handling the way that they uh, were reintroducing these super social and population dense conventions. You know, there's like 3000 plus people at majority of these conventions. And I think, uh, what, what was it? My, I skipped BLFC because of course it was canceled back in, I think 2020. So even the next year, I think they reopened 2021 or yeah, that was last year. And my friends went, I didn't personally go, but I did go to MFF and they handled it beautifully. The way that they allowed you to pre-register, uh, stand in lines, social distancing, mask mandates were everywhere. Uh, having all of those uh, checks and balances were really important and really cool to see. Uh, people were very considerate of others. And the funny thing is, if you're in fursuit anyway, you're, you're sort of masked up, right? I mean, you're not gonna stop fursuiters from you know poking and hugging each other at conventions anyway. So <laughs> it was still really lovely to see and kind of revitalizing to just have you know us be wacky and just freaking playing Twister together and stuff in the hallways of the conventions and just just being stupid and having fun. Um, so we also did it in a safe and fun way and I couldn't be happier about that. Uh, so I would say things are opening back up now and ultimately, uh, yeah, I think we all got through it and we're gonna prosper and sort of have this renaissance of more uh, fur cons because everyone's been missing it and there's been a lot of debt now accumulated for the lack of furry memes uh like you know fursuit and con memes like i love those it was so fun seeing every con uh, convention come and then there'd be some weird stupid thing that happens at a convention that totally catches fire and then everyone has all drama about it and i i love that it's i don't know that's super fun to me uh so i'm looking forward to more uh more conventions in 2022 i'm gonna be going to blfc in 2022 with my friends uh and my bae so expect us there and yeah many more conventions to come okay so thank you richie uh next topic here we have by jay uh wolf 86 um they mention money management and personal boundaries specifically relating to over sexualized and handsy first impressions uh that's a pretty good topic because i feel like that's not often discussed about uh especially in such a like i said before handsy or tactile community like it's different from other communities because you know we're we love hugs we love engaging with people for the most part and for a lot of uh, fursuiters they may have you know personal boundaries and establish uh little signs on their fursuit or badges that say you know okay to touch uh free hugs or do not hug and for the most part if you read that um most people respect that so i have a personal story that i won't mention the names of but when i first got into the fandom there were some fur meets and stuff and i am generally accepting of most people i'm pansexual open relationship kind of guy i think i'm pretty progressive and pretty chill but um there was some first handsy experience that i never experienced before in my early adulthood that i think uh is worth mentioning and maybe other people can relate and uh sort of just you know feel feel okay about so i'm okay with hugs i'm okay with handshakes high fives and stuff like that um part of the community is hugs and just kind of being chill around each other watching movies and stuff um there was one experience where i gave a hug and it was a pretty long hug and there was a grope uh it was a booty grope and i was you know like just met the person and it was a chill vibe 
and I won't mention if it was a he or she or they or them or anything like that, but uh, I was kind of, you know, put back. I, I didn't overreact in the moment or anything. I didn't try to downplay anything either. I was just, you know, having just a chill time overall. And I still sort of, well, to say in, uh, well, to just say for that day and for that night, it was chill. Uh, it was a sleepover too, so it was all good. Um, everybody had a great time at the party. Uh, there was like a good, I think like five to 10 people there. But uh, overall, like the next day I thought about it and I was kind of thinking like, hmm, was that kind of an, an invasion of, you know, personal space and stuff? I didn't know what kind of vibe I was given off or what they, what they were given off at the time. You know, everyone's awkward and kind of silly and doesn't really know how to be super social, you know, AKA me, socially introverted awkward. But uh, to just be satisfied with myself and my, my, my confidence, I just, you know, sent them a DM and said, hey, about that time uh, I mentioned, like, uh, you know, overall, I wasn't quite comfortable with it. I had to be true to myself and true to them for how I felt. And they were very respectful and they didn't uh, mean to, you know, put any harm or sort of pressure on me for anything. It just sort of happened. And overall, I think that that was probably the best outcome. You know, both people were true to what they said and how they felt about the situation and it never happened again and and i have no qualms with the person and they're pre still pretty chill and amazing people so that was how i handled that situation and i know sometimes it can be more aggressive or uh very uncomfortable anyway so i think it is very important to reach out to other people who care about you who know and love and respect your boundaries and to mention to them that these things are not okay if you are not accepting of it. Everything should be consensual. And I don't think that it's right or just for anybody to pressure you into anything that you are uncomfortable with. So definitely reach out to those who you know got your back or even to those who can just provide you some backup or some help. Um, especially, first off, letting the person know that you're engaging with that that's not cool. Um, you don't mean any disrespect, but it happened and just... Being straightforward, I think, is the best thing for everyone to do to clear the air and be transparent with each other. Uh, so those are my thoughts on sort of the, my thoughts and experience on sort of the personal boundaries things. Um, <laughs> Jay also mentions the money management aspect of, I think, furries. Um, I am not super good at money management. I, <laughs> I have my weak moments. And I'll say that I think as a pejorative, though, uh, furries have a tendency to spend exorbitant amounts of money on fursuits. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest pricey ticket items that you could probably purchase, you know, from an artist in the community uh, that's by the community for the community. And it's a it's a large investment like freaking fursuits, I think. Back in 2016 or 2017, I, I was seeing on average for about $2,700 to $3,000. Oh boy, man, like it's through the roof now. Uh, it's at least 4000 for a lot of the popular stuff or even in general. I think that the labor is very intense and the quality is often very high these days. So they do demand very high prices. And when you have high demand too, and you're only one little fursuiter maker, and or you're a small art studio, you can't keep up with the massive furries out there. There's no way. So the demand then increases the price of the product, and overall you get just this in super inflated $10,000 fursuit or even an auction that goes for like $30,000, I think in some cases. It's, that causes a lot, of, a lot of drama in the community sometimes, but 
overall, I think as an artist, I'm just gonna w be willing to say that, hey, if somebody's willing to pay that amount for your art, go for it, sell it for that much. Uh, that's, I am very true to that. And I think your art is as worth as much to you as what you're willing to put the price tag on it for. So if somebody's gonna buy it for that, let it be that. Um, art's basically invaluable, right? And it's in the beauties in the eye of the beholder. So uh, that's uh, my quick thoughts on that. But as far as personal money management, I think uh, <laughs> we could all afford to, you know, always have some money on the side to make sure that you have a little nest egg to rely on for when you need an emergency or anything like that. Don't be going out getting a personal loan for a fursuit that you can't afford yet maybe the bank would even deny you anyway but don't spend money that you don't have i think that's a general good rule make sure that you can you know afford your housing your shelter your food uh don't overspend make sure you clear your debts and <laughs> i think those are generally good practices i don't i'm not some kind of economics expert to say that but i don't think you need to be to ha to have those general good rules of thumb um so yeah furry art can be expensive but don't spend too much that you don't have uh those are sort of just my general uh impressions for most furries but there's a lot of really uh wise and good manage money management uh phrase out there that i know anyway so yeah that's uh my quick thoughts on that so that was a good already like three three questions and i want to check out the thread later too but i really appreciate uh this little corner where we could talk about our thoughts and stuff on topics uh relating to the fandom or not but yeah those were also all furry related so thank you so much guys uh let's get into other things Actually, okay, cross that out. We're going to be still continuing on with the Twitter thread for topics that you guys still submitted because, well, this is a future Theo here, but you guys were still submitting things that you would like to discuss. So, you know what? Let's get right back into it. And I think that would nicely round out this episode uh, just with the amount of time that we could spend talking about uh, a handful more of these submissions. So, thank you again. Let's get into it. Uh, actually, if you can tell the difference now in the recording i'm off of my ipad and back at home so hopefully this should sound a little bit more crisp and clear uh meta says at meta wolves uh furry musicians topical with the car seat headrest thing too uh so i wasn't super familiar with uh what uh how this is topical but uh he did mention that here let me check the dms here because i followed up with him about this um, and I did see this peripherally in passing, uh, so here's another tweet where Will Toledo performed in fursuit at last night's car seat headrest gig in Brooklyn, and I'm checking out, even though this is uh, audio podcast format, um, I'll just describe it. Uh, like, there's this musician, and he looks pretty dope, and he's like in this kind of gas mask uh, head headset or something, I don't know if that's like his style. I've personally never heard of him, but I think he's like pretty cool and popular, so it was pretty wild to see some other like big figure, you know, especially in the music space, like donning a fursuit. And I guess that was pretty wild. And, and <laughs> I'm checking the comments below and stuff like so some furries were there and it looked pretty lit, to be honest. Uh, so I don't know. I, I personally should check out his music. It's under Stereo Gum, S-T-E-R-E-O-G-U-M. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it's worth giving it a listen. So the lead singer of Car Seat Headrest, I guess that's their group, um, has a fursuit and it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so go check them out.
Uh, oh, and to credit the suit maker too, it's a Jill Customs suit or Jill Costumes suit. Um, they're the first suit maker, and yeah, go check them out on Twitter. Uh, I I mean, on that tangent too, I'm not too personally like a giant, uh, you know, musically inclined person. So that kind of bleeds into my furry life as a whole. I wish I knew more like furry musicians, but beyond kind of like the big general one with like, you know, uh, Salt and Pepper Coyote, uh, I'm not too familiar with other furry specific music artists. And the name escapes me for now, but the actual intro to my channel and everything that I post from my YouTube or podcast, uh, here, let me just play it real quick for you guys. That little soundbite that I always use um, was actually commissioned by me from another furry. Uh, that uh, It was like a friend of a friend, and uh, maybe I'll try to credit later. Or you can check out some of the previous videos. I think I've linked their info before in the videos uh, when I just first got that intro done. Um, but yeah, it was a friend of a friend that was also in the community and was like, hey, I make music. And I was like, uh, would you be open to like do a jingle for me and yeah i told them i liked sort of an animal crossy type of vibe a small little like video game kind of poppy jingle and they totally like killed it on the first take so i was like yes that's exactly what i want to use so there's a little background info for you um but thanks meta yeah if if also if anyone has like furry specific musicians i would love to see and promote their work if they're like awesome and I would just love to hear more of their work if they're banging. So, yeah, please share below if if you like. Uh, okay, let's try to move on to the next topic there. Um, by Keith Yaj, at Bad Bitcher, B-I-C-H-I-R. Uh, has becoming a furry changed your outlook on how you see people? Um, hmm. I mean, definitely, like, <laughs> I was way more recluse before and i think uh we can really expand and get into like a larger topic here but just finding a group of people that i didn't realize how much i had in common with was a real like game changer for me and just an overall eye-opener because you're like whoa like in my early adulthood here making friends was i think pretty difficult after high school and even in my limited run of college, if, like people really just came and left out of my life that I didn't really expect, you know, like I expected like having more relationships and longer term things. And maybe that's true for a lot of people out there, but it, it just wasn't for me. Um, I felt like if I didn't have like a kind of a whole lot in common, people would just, you know, they'd be there to work with you as a coworker or as a student or something like that. And then you'd be pro- uh, partnered on projects, but Beyond that kind of surface level stuff, there wasn't really much substance in my like adult friendship uh, working slash, you know, like career life, which is kind of, you know, like, I don't know Ugh. who wants to make friends with like coworkers anyway. Ah, ah that's just me personally. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as yeah, uh, just to reiterate, like as an adult making friends, I think is kind of awkward if you don't have much substance to go off of or like community to build off of. So seeing, like, in the furry community, like, one thing that kept me hooked in the community was that I'm, like, a big, nerdy, goofy dork, and I see, like, people only sharing 
their really true selves and like kind of just genuine dorky geekiness about things that that they love and um seeing that kind of wholesomeness kept me engaged and wanting to also be like-minded and um i think that's where i solidified a lot of my early good friendships in the fandom that i still have to this day so yeah uh, being a furry definitely changed my outlook on how i see people in a really positive way uh it expanded my circles and made me a more accepting and like progressive and uh generally uh just better individual so that's the answer to that thank you for that good question keith uh eddie asks or he just posts with a question mark furries hawaii question mark uh at eddie nyan uh (laughs) yeah we exist um i I think that's what you're asking right um even though we're on all the way in the middle of the pacific uh yeah there are a lot of furries that just roam around on continents that you never knew about uh so even all the way out here yeah um i managed to meet a lot of local furs um we have a really solid like i think we only have like freaking plus 50 members or like 80 members in the group chat and uh, on telegram that is and the funny thing is that i've heard a lot of um from a lot of visiting furs that come and go from the mainland um, they have a lot of like respect and like love for the small community here out here because uh, unlike the mainland where a lot of people do come and go, um, having a bunch of people that you can have rapport and friendship with um, just makes that group that much more tight and uh, it 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 really does help kind of solidify like a bit of like a you know a family group and. Um, yeah, sometimes like it's really nice having that kind of solid base for uh, a group of people you love hanging out with. I, I, I don't think I need to make it more complex than that. Uh, so yes, Furries Hawaii, we're here. Um, we don't unfortunately have a fur con or anything. I think the closest thing we have is like a Kauai con, which is actually coming up here in May or April soon. Uh, so yeah, it's like a really dope uh, anime, like comic kind of convention, manga convention, everything we basically hear. It's the biggest convention we have on this island in, in Oahu. So, uh, of course, the furries are going to go there too and like gallivant around. So you can expect us there. Uh, thank you, Eddie. Uh, let's see. We have also the last one now to round out the episode. Daddy Hellhound says, Himbo daddies slash dad bods. Well, of course, yes to both. Um, and <laughs> I think uh, if we want to dive and unpack that one a little bit more, I'll say that it's kind of interesting to me how the whole concept of dad bod or like himbo daddy bod is like this kind of like bulky or bara, you know, like not the most in f- like fit or in shape kind of body that you would see that's like, you know, high praise or whatever. But in the community, like, Freaking, that's a god, Greek, Grecian, Roman god body or something that's of just super high praise. Because, I don't know, I, I don't find anything personally wrong with, you know, any body type really. But, uh, yeah, uh, him, himbo but dad bods are here to stay in the community. Uh, so, yes to both. Um, I personally would like to be a bit more bulky too and, and lean, I would say, at least 30% to himbo if I'm not already, like, 50% himbo mentally. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, I think we went through, oh, what was that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow, thank you for, like, freaking, like, seven or eight topics already. That was really awesome. 
Uh, so I want to do like maybe posting, you know, threads or topics like this through Twitter, because that's where I feel like I get the most like direct responses and engagement. So thank you so much for helping just make this episode possible, you guys. And I hope you guys have a good day. Uh, I'm going to, again, like try to keep this up weekly, if not like not just not keep it dead. So, <laughs> uh, I love talking with you guys. I love talking about things and exploring topics. And if anything comes up or pops up or whatever, I'll be sure to update you guys through here, or through Twitter. So check me out there at Shikokubo. That's S H I K O K U B O or on my YouTube, all the same handles there. Uh, so yeah, uh, I hope you guys have a lovely morning, evening, night, wherever you are in the car or walking or at home chilling. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.